0: We are back, Mark. We We're are Out back. of your league, where, where have you been? You're looking Hol- very tired, very bronze. Holidays. Bronze goddess. Mm, yeah, goddess, we'll yeah. go with that. How yeah. was your holiday?
1: Stressful. When you've got three little kids, it's not really a holiday. It's probably harder work than being at home and going to work, so. Sounds shit. Yeah, so much that's shining, had a few cervezas and a bit of food on the beach. It was nice, but just, yeah, with swimming pools and kids that just have no fear, there was always that uh, risk that they'll just go diving one day and just, Daddy would have to save them.
0: Well, it might not come out. Yeah, it didn't happen though. Um, thankfully, rather awkward. Where we, we went to four point nine stars. What were we before I left? Four point eight. That's Kyle Emo. Yeah, I think yeah. It was Kyle yeah. Well done, Kyle. He took us up. Point, he should just take of both of our
1: jobs, shouldn't he? And just do a one-on-one. I think he will do yeah. actually,
0: Yeah, probably next season because um yeah. yeah we're, we're losing. We're losing people like flyers, aren't we? We are indeed. What was the name of the guy that used to do, used to sit here? Um, J- Jack J- James Wil- Wilkinson. John, John Wil- Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah. He's got his own podcast now. Yeah, he's good. He's on s- t- s- not quite 4.9 stars. He's doing well
1: for himself. Good, good on him.
0: We are joined today, Mark, by uh, a fellow coffee connoisseur. Smells mm. of coffee in here, doesn't it? Mm. Ashton Nathaniel Graham Golding.
1: Nathaniel? I don't know which is better. Name.
0: Nathaniel or Graham? That's I, a name. I, 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 Ash, that's a
2: name. I don't think I've ever been introduced to my full, full <laughs> Christian is, name. Do you know what I'm saying? Where's Nathaniel <laughs> and Graham come from? Uh, Graham, well, God, Nathaniel first. is one of my elder brothers. Well, Nathan. But well, I don't know what happened there. I just thought Nathaniel sounds it good. Sounds a bit <laughs> snazzy. And um, uh, Graham's after my granddad. Nice. So yeah, I carry his name with me, which is good. But put it all together, it's a bit of a mouthful. So yeah. uh, it's just Ashton Golding. do, You go by Ash will
1: do. You, you go uh, go uh, do. Ash, Ash rather than Ashton, yeah?
2: No, no, the, uh, I prefer Ashton because it's a bit more unique. Yeah. It's a bit, bit of right. a talking point. We'll call you Ashton then. Oh, me. you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you Ashton Nathaniel uh, Graham
0: Golding, if that's all right. Um, <laughs> also, by the way, Mark, the co-owner of Palm Coffee Company in Leeds with Oliver Wilson. Um so the, the obviously the question is, are you aware Ash of Mark's coffee background or not? No, I've never heard of it. I, I think you know, of course you've got to have heard of it. If you get
2: <laughs> into a coffee trade from <laughs> rugby, you have to kind of do your research and, and, and know the players that you know are around and There's a few of us isn't there? And, yeah, no, there yeah. is. There was a um uh Did Liam
1: Cut Sutcliffe do one?
2: Yeah, so he, he had one over near Roundy Park, um
1: who had, who had with Dom in, Crosby. Who had yeah. one in Wigan? Lee Mossop's got one in Wigan's. Yeah, got one in obviously
2: yourself and John have got one. Uh, well, one, two, three, I don't know how many now, 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 12. The Empire I continues. Wish, wish. Uh, and a bakery, but they don't want to talk about. You it. Know, can't, uh, Dan Fleming uh, from Halifax. Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't Halifax, it's in Halifax. Um, at Featherstone now, he's got one. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's loads. I mean, Luke Hambler had one. Has yep. still got it? I'm not sure. The
1: hive, I'm, not sure it? I'm not sure. I knew of it, but I'm not sure. And, it's
2: um, who was it now on Manchester Road? Um...
0: Oh, I can't remember his first name.
2: I don't know. by was surname. Patterson, was it? Patterson. Dillon. Manchester
0: Road one. I'm sure it? there was another one in Wigan as well. They had a gym. Anyway, I can't remember. But, um, Kev, Kev Brown. Kev Brown. Oh, well, yeah. The, yeah. 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 How can you forget? <laughs> I, I had a look on the, the website, Mark, on, uh, yeah, on Palm Coffee Company. Coffee with a K, by the way. Edgy. Yeah, yeah it's a bit
1: edgy, yeah. pretty yeah, th- prehistoric. Throw it, throw it out there.
0: You know, you want to <laughs> talk about some <laughs> <laughs> uh, Offering a Scandinavian feel, providing a peaceful and tranquil vibe. Um, they've provided a unique environment to enjoy whilst still offering a modern edge. I love that.
1: I've used copied and paste like the bio. Yeah, that's, the straight, that's
0: straight from, from uh, Palm Coffee Company's website. Yeah, it's good. I have a look in, in.
2: Incidentally, I copied and
0: pasted <laughs> <laughs> from one <what> in Scandinavia. <laughs> <laughs> I just went to
2: one called Freaker and thought, this sounds good. Let's get it there. How,
0: how, I mean, we sort of, um, you know, it's just childish to compare, Mark, isn't it? Sort of. Yeah, it is childish to compare. So how, much, how much would a flat white cost you at Palm Coffee Company?
2: Uh, we, we, we charge around about, well, the prices fluctuate. Um, but we go for £3.10 for a flat white £3.10 mark is that 3 is it actually 3 30? Location, location <laughs> dictates the price yeah. and the market that we're in I guess
1: both great coffees both great places yeah different drinks
0: different needs yeah that's both true. coffee uh, we'll talk about it later because obviously we want to talk about life after rugby but um, yeah. you've got a bit of an injury now Ash at the
2: moment yeah um, my hamstring uh, so I was I was out for maybe 14 weeks with a hamstring rupture um, clean rupture on the right side and it took me a while to get back and then you know, two games in playing St. Ellen's, mm. um, scored in corner and as I was scoring, uh, just hamstring pulled again. Not from the celebration. You need, no, you need
1: skinny, slow legs like mine <laughs> and you never
2: <laughs> rupture anything. Listen, uh, no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I'm playing it to like Kevin Aguilar, it's just too fast. <laughs> he gets ball takes off and I'm expected to keep up with that, there's no way. Um, but no, it's just one of them, I think I just outstretched reaching for the ball and then yeah. Uh, I felt it go as I was going to score, but I, you know, I thought, I've got to keep going with this, I can't
0: just pull up. How frustrating, though, this time of the season to have that and not be able to sort of see out the oh, end. Real frustrating
2: because, you know, I think every player this side of the coin now, when, when, when you can't help and perform with the boys, you just feel helpless as such. You know, I, I felt when I was playing, I was adding to the team, mm. um, you know, performance wise, but also experience a little bit, you know, I've been in these kind of situations before and just, Helping the boys, the younger boys, especially people like Sam Halsall and, um, you know, people who have probably not experienced this kind of, we do the job, we get to playoffs, Um, you know, just keep them grounded one job at a time and things like that. And to not be able to do that on the field with them at the time is hard. But, you know, I just, as soon as it happened, I text, um, I text Ian Watson. I just said, look, this might not be my role now playing in the team as playing, but. I still like to add to the team as best I can, wherever you need mm-hmm. me, so.
1: You can easily feel like an outsider when you're injured for the season. It's I, like you're a spare part, there's like team meetings going on, or there's strategy sessions, and there's little drills going on, and you're like on the outside, trying to put you like, just add your temp to Penith, and sometimes it's hard to get involved,
2: isn't it? 100%, I, but I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm really bad for, for getting involved, I, you know, I'll, I'll stand there and then, I, I might leave it, I think the best example of it, I was out 14 weeks, and in them 14 weeks, you know, we didn't, we want it in some good form. You know, we're, we're, we're playing all right. We'll get in there in the first session back. I just as soon as I got in, as soon as the first time I touched the ball, that was it I vocal. Everything that I felt for them 14 weeks just came out. Mm. And some stuff I said were true, some stuff were absolute rubbish. But the lad just allowed me to get that out there and then at least we can cypher through what's good and what we needed to hear. And but you just feel like an absolute alien. And, and but be
0: honest, because you hear the sports people the whole time saying, oh, it's the loneliest time and you're there and you're watching everyone train and you're on the bike inside, and you're trying to it, do some recovery in the swimming pool is there a little side where you're like mint I'm going to sit at home eat cookies in my underpants and play FIFA
2: I wish Hon- honestly I think you could you could ask any the boys at Huddersfield I'm just too active I've just got too much away from you're giving off
1: that energy and yeah, it's good yeah just, just it's good.
2: Too, too much I, I, I just think like there's always something to be doing. So while if I'm injured from rugby and I can't play, mm. it's such an opportunity for me because I've got other things going on that I could just put energy into. Mm-hmm. And it don't take away from the rugby. I think it complements it really well. I think it allows me to do it.
1: Have you, have you always been like that?
2: Yeah. Very um, active kid. Yeah, I just think I've had to. I'm, uh, you know, I've got five siblings, so I was the second youngest. So I was the first one to get beat up. Cause my mum won't be looking at second year. she'd always watch out for youngest she'd never watch out for second youngest and i was the, and i was the last one to get any money because i'd always give it to it youngest that everyone else would fill it of older so i had to make my own money i've had to i've had to do all that kind of stuff so I've, I've just enjoyed kind of having to do it on on my own and and then i've got used to it so whenever there's like a bit of a downfall somewhere like injuries i just i enjoy the challenge of coming back and and reinventing myself as such which is quite good
0: for those who don't know anything about bramley ashton tell us about about that place you know just outside leeds west yorkshire what was it like growing up there for you um do you know what bramley is as jamie jones buchanan describes it and
2: everything that he says and i will copy him on this it's the big apple i think from the outside perspective bramley is not a nice place to live i think if you're from the surrounding areas and you think oh you live in bramley people won't want it's not desirable but when you're living in bramley in the community of bramley and you know it's something that you can't probably replicate anywhere else so it's I, I think I won't be the man I am today without living and, and growing up there. I think it was an unbelievable, eye open experience for me. I Had to get thick skin pretty quick. But mm. equally, without them experiences, I don't think I would have been as resilient as I'm resilient as I am today. Was it a humble upbringing then? Five kids. What can sort of describe the environment to it? Yeah. Look, I, I won't sit on here and and say it was easy. You know, I won't sit on here and say I never saw my dad. You know, my dad was. You know ever present every every week or every other week going to his house wherever that way it may be um my mum <clears throat> five kids worked full-time you know never never took a penny off the the government she, she worked her absolute socks off to give us the the, the start to life that so way all she's a single
0: man with five kids
2: single mom five kids wow. bundles up didn't drive at the start bundles all into a taxi every morning took us all to school get the same taxi to work worked her absolute socks off comes picks us up after school that 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 was us and you know my sister was a little bit older so she could look after us a little bit and that kind of upbringing kind of humbles you a little bit and mm. you know then obviously growing up my stepdad was in the same house and and you know I, I can't say it was it wasn't the best but it wasn't the worst it was out in my opinion I, you know I loved it I wouldn't change it um was it rich in love oh yeah well that, it it massively was you know we we had each other's backs it was just a case of Jordan's up street getting, getting punched up, Pfft, let's go. There wasn't even a question <laughs> of why, what, it's just, that's my brother, that's us. So we, we, we stayed tight and thick thick as thieves and yeah, about why well, we didn't have enough money to, to go get this or that, it didn't matter. Because mm. we'd still have each other kicking a, a flat football at top of the street and, and things like that. And then from there, you know, I guess the, the biggest decision that I made as a kid, which I don't know how I did at that age, I think I was 11. I decided not to go to the same high school as all my other siblings. I said, you know what? I think insanity is described as doing the same and expecting different results. Now, these guys are good, but I'm gonna try and go on this route. So I I went to a sports college, which was Mm -hmm. a train ride away. And I got the train every day to go to Priest Forp. And from there I met a new group of people, uh, put myself out there on a limb. um, And that's kind of where the rugby really started to to pick up and take off from there. You know, primary school, they were telling me to join a rugby club and and when I went to Priest Forp, People have actually played the sport. You know, mm. Jamie Jones Buchanan was there. Um, a, a man called Danny Irwin was there. Both Coach Stanley and and things like that. And they just got round me. And mm. from there, you know, I don't look back. But,
1: were you were you aware of that decision making at that age that you might need to go down a different path to your siblings?
2: Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, pr- pretty much. It it, it was you know young, or yang black and white you know but where did that come from at that age 11 to be able to think you know hold on uh, to think about your future i mean i do not remember thinking about my future when i was 11. i
2: don't know i guess just because of the environment that i was in at the time i think you know looking at the environment i was in i was thinking well look my mum has done everything she can to give me this environment mm. Surely it's on me to try and better this i think as a kid i you know i want to do better than what i got and then i want to give better than, than what I got and, right. and what they do is better than what I can give them and, you know, building up. So when I was young, I was like, look, if I go there, I'm gonna look like this model of uh, a typical Bramley lad, mm. which is fine, which is fine. Cause I love Bramley, but there's also a, a level of, I think in myself, I felt well, I, I think I can do more, but I don't know. pre was a sports college. I was playing football, got recognized a little bit by United playing rugby, recognized a little bit by Rhinos. Um, playing tennis, athletics. So there was a lot of sports going on, I so thought, Sports College has to be the one for me, because, I mean, intake was a performing arts, and mm. I'm not good at that stuff, so.
0: So you you mentioned playing football there and stuff as well, and you, but you mentioned Jeremy Jones Buchanan, who obviously you were looking up to as a kid. Were you a Leeds fan? Did you used to go on the terraces and watch the Rhinos or not? Um,
2: You know what, when I could get free tickets from school, um, as mad as it sounds, that was a luxury for, for us in Bramley. So we, we, we couldn't really afford that, so you know, we'd wait and, and, and see when the tickets came in, uh, you know, Bramley St. Peter's and they did sometimes. Mm. And we had a good little rugby team there and we played at halftime and stuff. So I got to go when, mm. when we got the tickets and you know, I got a really, really vivid, fond memory of my well, grandad's passed away now, uh, where I got my name from. But mm. I was stood on the terrace with, with my granddad and we're playing St. Ellen's. Um, sun just coming over the west terrace, straight into Carnegie, we're in bottom left and we're just staring, couldn't see a thing. But it yeah. was just I was stood there, I was just looking up, my granddad were there. And that, that's a memory I'll always have. And from then, it was like, I didn't need to go much. Mm. I had that memory. I had that kind of gesture. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled and took
0: off. Yeah. Like, was, it, honestly. was it your granddad then that made you sort of not fall in love, because it wasn't a big passion as a kid, but that introduced you to rugby and showed you that world? No, I think my granddad had played
2: some rugby union, but like just a workmen's club in Meanwood. Um yeah. And you know, I'd always go to Worker Men's Club. I'd collect the bingo tickets and stuff like that. And I would always be around it, but I'd never watch it. I wasn't bothered. And then mm. he took me there one time, and and my me, me teacher, Miss Dixon Dawson or Leslie. I'm allowed to call her Leslie now, I think. Yeah. You don't have to say <laughs> Miss. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> Miss Dixon Dawson. Do- nah, respectfully, I'll call her Miss Dixon Dawson. She would probably she'll probably get at me for it. Um, <laughs> she 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 um she really pushed it. Yeah. And got me to join the local rugby club, Stanley. And then from
0: there, it's kind of how I worked out a few things so none of the other siblings played no one else in the family played no 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 what what, what did you enjoy about it was it that physical side because you said you had you know brothers and stuff was it the the tussle initially that that drew you to it I think the brotherhood I think
2: being part of something I genuinely believe when I was young I, I, that just being part of a group that had a meaning about it you know often we'd just be walking around Bramley kicking a ball about but with no real meaning and then part of a team and I was like, I was valued member of a team, and and they needed something from me. I needed something from them, and you could rely on them. And you just, I just fell in love with that kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. that I found um, with Stanley and and the boys. And it don't matter where we trained. I'd walk. I, I used to, I actually, used to get um, later on in my career. But we'll get back to that. But I got threatened a couple of times in my career for my contract to get ripped up. She used to run everywhere. I used to run to training. I'd run there. I'd run there, and I would come into a training with shin splints. <laughs> You've got to rip far up. too much energy. Oh, <laughs> no, that's, no, because uh, <laughs> I know I do. It. <laughs> well, they wanted I to rip it up it.
0: because you were like Forrest Gump. You were just yeah, risking, risking your but stuff.
2: That was from an early age. I couldn't get a taxi, you know, and trainings wow. from Bramley one side of Bramley to others around a mile and a half. So it's three yeah. mile round. It's not massive, but it adds up when you do it three times a week, and then go to like rhinos training and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. And how old were you then? So that that was when I was about ten, and then that that just bled <laughs> through. I that. That bled through, yeah.
0: What's the most you run to get to to training ground?
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> it was half a marathon. What to get to, to training? No, it was like seven there, seven back. Bloody But half. then obviously I was training in between as well, so it was like a load more than half. A <laughs> when marathon. was that? So we had a, a thing up it. You know, have you ever heard of John Charles? Do you know where Hunslet play?
1: Yeah, yeah, John Charles. So, so the that's the like near White
2: Rose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm in Bramley. So I have to go straight down Ring Road, up Miggy, drop down South Leeds and Stadium. So we train there, and then I'd run back.
0: <laughs> Did you do that? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And then obviously How that often was, a, would that you was that? a Monday night, so that was just once a week Monday night. But then we'd be training on Tuesday, training on Thursday at Academy, Wednesday be Stanley.
0: Yeah.
2: And then if you don't have a, if you don't train for Stanley on Wednesday, you play your Academy game, and then you'd be playing
0: on. Sunday. you not for the so blowing blowing you do a quarter when you of a mile out. run?
1: So a quarter of a marathon, train and then do another quarter back.
0: Yeah respect but then how like well that's what i used to do
2: now i drive so it's all right i don't have to but sometimes i want to but i just know i'm not allowed there must
1: be some like deep burning desire and inside you to to want to go to training that much
2: no it's simple if you know do you know i used to think i kind of still do it now it's if i'm not doing it someone else is if I'm not doing it, anyone else? No, says, I don't think anyone else <laughs> That's why I did it. Yeah.
1: I you, win. you
0: win. I win. <laughs> I default. No one else is coming. Give him a man of steel, no. Did the, did the, co- the coaches obviously knew all of them? I know some of them said that you can't do that because you, you know if you're going to play for it.
2: Yeah, tough. no. Look, I, it was you must Leeds, have been It absolutely was, blowing
0: when you really turned up.
2: I've had it at Leeds and Huddersfield. At Leeds, it was a little bit more serious. Um, you know, it was getting to the point where Ash, right, we're trying to build you as a as, yeah. a, as a fullback here. Like, but you can't play fullback at 72 kilo. And they'd check my eating diary. They'd actually monitor my sleep, the magnet and I'm actually losing weight still. And then they asked me like, what are you doing away from me? <laughs> I just like sat down with them and uh, it, it didn't end well. Just burning um, all your
0: calories on the motorway. Yeah, well,
2: I, I just simply said, look, I can't afford to drive right now. And the only way I can do stuff is by running there. Yeah.
0: Did, did they all tell do you about the running? bus?
2: Um, yeah, it's just a peaceful way to just have time for yourself. You know, like when you've, you've, got to, you've got to do something and it's stressful, go for a little run. Put some earphones in, listen to this podcast,
1: and you will be fine. <laughs> yeah, good, yeah, good message. To listen to this podcast. <laughs> you
2: know, we could get it five stars.
0: <laughs> so, so, what age were you when Leeds started taking a serious look at you?
2: Um, so I think I think Leeds took me serious pretty much straight on. You know, that 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 club for me really embodied. I mean, they're the just down road from Bramley. They understand what it, exactly what it's about. And but how the, old were
0: you when you first were at Leeds? So I have uh, twelve.
2: about 13 yeah 13 late late starter i think um so you'd only been at the college a couple of years yeah yeah no that's it i was there 13 debuted back end when i was 16. Mm. um were you a natural athlete yeah yeah i could i could run could could do all the athletic stuff Uh, you had to teach me rugby rugby was a second thing to me um as in like you know if i was a track and field athlete it'd have been a lot easier for me Mm. yeah but where I lived and everything, it was literally just down the road, Lead mm. Rhinos, it was so easy. Um, so when I was running there, it was like only a mile, but it was all downhill. So it was understood. And then I'd, we, we come to an agreement, actually. We come to a good agreement, get myself a road bike mm. and just, just cycle <laughs> down. But It was a two minute cycle downhill. So we understood each other then. I could still get there and it was yeah. a little bit less. Then my bike got robbed, so <laughs> I started running again.
0: <laughs> was it was it daunting going in at that age and, and being around the likes of JJB and Rob Burrow and all these stars and you know McDermott being there? And because you were there sort of like 2010, 2011, 2012. You made yeah. your debut in 2013. Were, were you 16 when you made your debut? Yeah. That
2: is, um, that is young.
0: Yeah, well, I was, just, I was just
2: about to go 17. I was 16, I think it was the week, the week before Leeds went to Wembley. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, absolutely daunting. Do you know, these the, re, respectfully when I when I was growing up, I wasn't watching much rugby. It was all on Sky and stuff. I never got to see the stars. Mm. You'd see JJB coming into my school, and that was about it. So when so I you started, had, you
0: hadn't watched a lot of rugby, as no. Well.
2: So when I was coming in, I was just like, I yeah, I I probably you know a lot of them probably thought I was arrogant, but it wasn't. It was just probably ignorance yeah. or naivety, and and then you'd start training, and you know we'd do some fitness tests. I want to win, so pa 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 pa, and then we'd do some. Weight session and no way I can keep up with people, but I'm mm. trying. Mm. And by the end of it, people started to understand that it wasn't like that. It was just ignorance. And then I got to know people for the people, instead of going in and looking at a superstar and mm. being nervous, I got to know him as a person. Um, but there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of bags getting picked up and thrown out of chaining rooms I had to deal with. You know, the first day I walked in, someone sat me straight in JP seat. <laughs> 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 but I got absolutely of picked up and went, yeah. <laughs> there was a rule as well. I wasn't allowed to wear. Do you know leg skins? Yeah. Everyone wears leg skins without shorts on. Yeah. You got to make your debut before you can do that, son. So go put your shorts back on. <laughs> is that a rule? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was the that, Leeds thing. That, no, that was just a rule. That was a rule that all got told. I was like, but
0: the, yeah, I'm not even going to argue this. He is, <laughs> he
2: is, he is. Um, Yeah, we're great. Who, okay.
0: who took you under their, their wing? Then, do you remember any one of the, any of the senior guys who sort of really helped you? <laughs> um,
2: obviously, Jonesy. Jonesy is a, a, a massive reason of like the way I think, the way I think, and what I do. You know. He's the exact same things in every pie that he can. Real thinker, likes to plan it out methodical. I like to model myself on something like that. Um, but you know, I, I got on with so many um, throughout my time at Leeds. Mm. I think I was there five years in the senior setup. So each year there was somebody else, you know, Mitch Garbutt When he came mm. along to Leeds, it was unbelievable for me. He gave me like a, a breath of fresh air and, you know, just give me that new lease of life uh, as such and then You know, the younger lads, the lads that are now playing regular Super League, um, I thought they were class, like Ash Hanley and and Liam Sutcliffe, you know, they're they're a group of lads that I'll always keep in touch with, they're really nice, Mm. nice blokes. And while they were, you know, playing at the same
0: time as me, they would also be older than me, so they're senior. So I'd listen to them. Um, You you must have really thought you'd arrive, though, in 2013, when you pull on that Rhino shirt at 16 years old.
2: Yeah, look, it it was massive for me. you know, through through whatever reason, I got the nod, and I was absolutely stoked. Went down to London. Broncos, was it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, I remember that game. <laughs> Went down to London. They've not won a game all year. I'm up bench. It's thirty six six. We're winning. That <laughs> brings me on. Hold my beer. <laughs> we lose forty points to thirty six. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh happened my. to me as well. Oh my gosh! I just watched it. Jamie, happy beaming. I was like. Yeah, we lost and, like, you go going to Wembley next week, relax. How, how
0: responsible were you for anything?
2: Oh, I was awful. <laughs> Joe, Joe um, Keezy broke through about three times and stepped me three times. But I walked <laughs> yeah. in them changing rooms, Buzzing. took my playing shirt off, put it in my bag. I got coach coming to me next day and said, if you took your playing shirt, I went, yeah, it's my debut shirt. and like right, you should have asked for that, mate. You shouldn't be taking that. You lost. <laughs> no, 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 no. I worked hard for this shirt. This is mine. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, my my
1: debut was against Celtic Crusaders in 2010, I think it was. And they'd not won a game all season. I was absolutely buzzing. We got beat that day. It was all my fault. It was probably <laughs> yeah. all your fault. It just happens like doesn't that. it?
2: Luckily, there about four of us debuting. Uh, actually, I only debuted the same game, actually. right? Yeah, we debuted at the same
0: time. How do you reflect then on your time at Leeds? When you, when you think you, you made 65 appearances in six years, you had a few loan spells as well. When you look back from sort of bursting on the scene to, to you know, perhaps in your, I don't know, maybe putting words into your mouth, but not staying there as long as you would have liked to.
2: Yeah, no, look, Leeds, Leeds is, um, that's my club, isn't it? that's my boyhood club that mm. you you grow up And While there wasn't a resounding love for for Leeds Rhinos as such, the city of Leeds is always going to be something massive to me, whether mm. you're representing boxing like Nicky Adams or the triathlon like Brownlee Brothers. If you're from Leeds, I'll back you all the way. And, and it was same with Rhinos. And to get my shot, to even play one game, look, I'd, I made a man upstairs happy. Uh, that's my granddad's dream for me to stay and play there. Mm. And, and I did that and luckily enough I was lucky enough to do it 65 times and yeah probably probably cut short to be honest but me, I've always said you know I, I need opportunity um mm. why
0: was it cut, cut short was that where you were? opportunity from coaches
2: yeah both you know the the administration at Leeds was changing it was swapping over mm. you know um I think we had McDermott and Ferner, and then Agar was in and there was just a lot of changes which were as it happens in sport, that's what happens. And, yeah. you know, when changes happen, people's preferences change and that's fine. And, you know, I don't have a bad word to say about Leeds. The way they handled me were great. They could see that it was bothering me. They brought me in, they spoke to me. Uh, Kev Sinfield was outstanding with me when he was the director there. Really understood me as a person. I've played with him, he understood me as a person, but mm-hmm. equally he had a job to do to look after the club and I had a job to do to protect my career. And we came to a, an agreement that, you know, th- I should look elsewhere. Mm. And, and that, that's a hard thing to hear from you your hometown club, but it was also probably the right thing to hear at the right time. Um, look, you're not going to say that in the moment. You, you feel a certain way in the moment. You know, you're not sure which direction your career is going to take. And, you know, you've done a lone spell at Featherston, which I absolutely cannot knock that club for what, for what we had and what we did. It was unbelievable. And Leeds gave me the opportunity to do that. And you had a
0: couple of spells there, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Was it dual Red with
2: that? Oh yeah, did it. I played way earlier on as well, didn't I? I, I 16 think I played and like, 19. Yeah. yeah, Oh, that's what I got. <laughs> played Bradford and um, like, I'm not knocking Bradford class, class team. I played mm-hmm. for them as well, but played them and they went in, they got knocked down while we went
0: and did something all right that year. I
2: am through a beer over me. I remember that.
0: Yeah. Do, do you think had there been more stability behind the scenes then? Because you said the administration, I mean, it was a mental time for Leeds from the outside because one minute they were, you know, in a grand final. The next minute they were lo- looking like they were going down.
2: Yeah, and, and look, leads for me, it requires success. It requires success. And when it doesn't get success, the supporters, the, the board, the shareholders, whatever, they, they need it. It's, it's within ingrained in the culture and equally then it's ingrained in the players. So it wasn't just a one way frustration. It wasn't just the club looking at the players and, and being frustrated. The players are frustrated and I was frustrated. I've seen the, you know from 2004 to 2014 the golden generation and then from 14 they kicked on and they won another challenge cup challenge cup mm. grand final in in 17 so look i 2015 um and then after that the frustration was there from the players as well you know mm. especially myself and i want to win and I, I guess it was just a case of look i had security i just signed a five-year deal um i had another three and a half years left i could have quite easily just sat there and, and waited for my time and mm. I know what I can do given an opportunity, but I have to give them the opportunity first. And I feel like for me, it was a big decision to probably say, "Look, I'm happy to explore other options." Being a, a Leeds lad, and the club to say that to me had to pr- protect themselves. And I don't think there's any bad blood there now. You know, I, I love the club. Um, I think what they did for me to start my career is outstanding mm. and massive. And you know, nothing but respect for the people above the the decisions really like mm. Gary Everton and, and Paul Caddick the people that run the club they do it the right way
0: must have been torturous though to, to sort of not be involved in the grand finals 15 17 when you were around the club as well yeah. did, did you go to Old Trafford on that night as well
2: yeah look I was um 17 was probably harder than 15 15 for me was probably a luxury to be there I'd only played I think the first year 14 I played a game 15 I might have played six or seven so to to be there around the squad was a luxury it was an experience mm. it was look, you take everything you can in there now, because when it's your turn, we need you to do this. And then in 17, that was that was hard. That was hard, you know, me and, me and Brian McDermott had some open, honest discussions. It was, it was difficult. I would
0: played a fair few games that year, you know, I was part of the squad, um, but... Well, tell us about some of those, because I'm not that we want to just hammer Brian every week, but we've had Ryan Brilli on recently. You had some interesting meetings with him in a car park in Toronto, and <laughs> if, 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 he, if he's not... Well, actually, I think it was in Rochdale before they went to Toronto. But if he's not having you, he's not having you, right? No, but I,
2: I, I can only say this as mad as it sounds. I, I don't think I've met many people that I don't get on with. And, and I really got on with Brian McDermott. Yeah. I think his coaching style suited me. I think the way that he manages people suits me. You know, he's just openly honest, he's cutthroat. He's straight as the common Oh, if you're not right for him, bye. But he'll tell you there and then why. And you can speak back. I actually think he likes the dialogue. He likes. The kind Well, that, of the well comp-
0: but to be fair, to put Ryan's side across, he, he didn't... That was, that was his whole point. He just said... You know, And there's obviously always two sides to a story, but but his words, he said, you can win Man of Steel. You could go on loan and win Man of Steel, but you're not gonna play for me. But didn't give him a reason.
2: Yeah. Anyway, let's, it's the it's not about right. I'm just saying circumstances dictate yeah. certain things. It just reminds me of sort of meeting <laughs> Sir Alex
0: Ferguson in the car park. It can be quite scary if you're on the wrong side of it. Uh, <laughs> both good coaches.
2: Yeah, and you know what, when you've got a pedigree like Brian McDermott's and, and you're a young player coming through, mm. I think you just do as you're told. I think, you know, he wants you to have, I think, with me personally I think he wanted me to get that side to me you know I was always like I said naive and ignorant and such but that would also be a detriment to me because I wouldn't take things as serious I probably needed to Mm. and with him he was teaching me look I need you to bite back I need you to give me something like you care and I'm Mm. like I'll show you I care but in different ways I don't like this and then we kind of understood each other and you know he gave me opportunities to start playing a bit of nine and you know, showed me a little bit of the ropes, brought in Jimmy Lowes to help me work on my nine play and, mm. and Franny Cummins at fullback. So he gave me all the support I could ask for. Um, and yeah, I, d- I think he was, I think he was, I think it was good for me. Uh, I
1: think it's his, um, his background in the Marines that's probably quite authoritarian and straight talking and yeah. that, I understand that, that got the best out in him as a young man, he probably thinks likewise for young men and his coach, whether that be yourself or Ryan or whoever. Um, but it is a bit of a shock to the system because some coaches will, will call you into the office, tell you some bad news, but then tell you exactly what you want to hear, yeah. whereas some, I would prefer straight talk, whether it was good or bad.
2: Yeah, I think straight talk, I don't even know if I can, I don't even know if I can say certain stuff on this. You uh, can say anything you want. Uh, <laughs> <he won't laughs> once pulled me into the office, so this was a point where I was playing fullback. And I was really saving a load of tries, defensively, very sound, catching mm. all my balls, but just an attack, it wasn't clicking. And you know, I, I had my opinions on why it will not clicking, but equally I'm playing with some greats. So it, it's me, right? That, that's all I'm, it's me. And he brought me in, he said, look, Ash, you're up there, man of steel, best defensive fullback we've got, or the league's got at the moment, you're saving on average three more tries than every other fullback. I was like, that's great. He went, but I think you've got, I think you've got a, like a, a stutter. I went, what, what do you mean? He went, you've got an offensive stutter. As soon as we get the ball back, you mm. don't wanna. And I don't get it, because that's when everyone wants to. And I was just like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I couldn't argue with it. I've never heard it said to me before. Mm. And he just said it as soon as he just plain like you've got a stutter, you can't attack. Mm. You don't want to attack. You just want to defend And I was like, "Yeah, oh, you're not wrong.
0: And you'd, But you'd never seen that in yourself? Never heard it, never seen it, never yeah.
2: thought it. Because when I was a youngster, Score. Score. There's so like a blockage in there, somewhere. Yeah, and then right? now I'm like, he's telling me I don't do I can't do that. What is going on here? And you know, you you, you go away, you listen to it a little bit, but he won't far wrong. he wasn't. Yeah. I'd value so much emphasis in the defence because I knew I had people like Joel Moon, Danny Maguire, Rob Burrow, yeah. you had Kyle Ulawide to it ball up, Keith Galloway with Liam Sutcliffe. You had all these strike players. I didn't need to (laughs) We'd win games if I were just saving tries.
0: But that's proper coaching, right? Noticing something like that. Yeah, and
2: that's when when we kind of got the respect because I bit back and he wanted me to. He got a bite out of me then and that was a day that he probably,
0: you know, we we understood eye to eye. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on towards Huddersfield, you, you, you knew time was up, right? You knew you had to have a new challenge and you knew you had to put on a new jersey.
2: Yeah, 100%. I think, like I said, three and a half years left in my contract at Leeds and and Leeds knew that as well so they was open for me to look elsewhere but there wasn't gonna they were very very clear on if you want to stay we want you to stay we are not asking you to leave leave but if you want that opportunity elsewhere we're happy for you to go and explore that and i think that was a big thing for me because even months after i'd signed you know i I was still in contact with Mm. the coach at the time and he was very happy for me to come back at any point you know if it wasn't working out or anything like that, and Huddersfield would allow it, he was happy for that. And I think at that point,
0: I was in myself, I said, look at him for a penny and for a pound, I'm here. And, did did you want to be the main man though, somewhere else? Was was it ego like that or not? No, I've I've never wanted to be
2: the main man. I've always just wanted to win. And for me, Winning. you'd want to hold
1: down a position though wouldn't you and be at that time I did yeah, yeah. at that it time I wanted be, to go and be a fullback in a yeah, club you, it's, it's frustrating and hard being in and out of a side yeah. or shifting position without wanting to be the main man you'd want to be cement a spot whether wherever that might be and have some consistency in your game
2: I think I think it's massively important like I wanted consistency but I wanted respect I think massively I wanted respect and while the peers at Rhinos you know knew what I could do mm. in part because I wasn't I wasn't probably doing it consistently. I think in 17, I did it consistently. In 18, not as much. And In 19, I was on loan. So, you know, that was what it was. And then with all that accumulating into it, the opportunity to go to Huddersfield, I couldn't resist. Just couldn't resist. I think I only needed to have one meeting with Rich Thulis and no, that was the club for me. I think the best thing that he ever said to me, and I actually reiterated him the other day. um, And the first word he said, look, if you're honest with me, I'll be honest with you. And I think that's massive. I think in, in Rugby League, it is difficult to find such honesty with people and without any lines blurred, it's just honest. Mm. And it's been like that ever since. Um, and the opportunity came through, through my agent, really. You know, I was in contact with my agent, just saying, look, they're, they're allowing me to if we want to. And he says, look, no worries, here's your options. Yeah. <laughs> Put some options in front of me. And it was clear cut. This is where I wanted to be. And it wasn't, it wasn't mainly about money or things. It was probably mostly about the opportunity that I'm going to get given and the opportunity was there to play some fullback and looking back that was the
0: (laughs) one of the best moves I've made to be honest. And and a lot of people when they think of your name and they think of that sort of time that you signed for Huddersfield will remember the piece that you did with Sky with Michael Lawrence and Jordan Turner Mark's old mate Um, and you became a sort of leading player to speak out and, and call out racism within rugby league as well which was it was such a powerful Piece, which I know Martin O'Far had lots of things to say about as well. Um, you're, you're of Jamaican descent. Where, where does that come from in the family?
2: Uh, my granddad on the other side. Yeah, um, he still lives in Leeds actually. Okay, so, so he, he came. So over from your dad's in, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, yeah he came over in the Windrush yeah. um, generation,
0: and then yeah, just working on the railway. When were you first aware of of your colour, and that sounds like a crazy question, but when were you first aware of, of people picking you up on things? Because I know you've said you've you almost you've almost become desensitised to, to racism, right?
2: Yeah, look, what we see as, what we probably see as racism now, when I was growing up, was just a compliment or something crazy. And I know it sounds mad, but, you know, in Bramley, it was a heavy working-class white community. Mm. So to be isolated and separated on the colour of your skin wasn't, it's not... Not normal, so it's normal, um, and you know I've got full brothers and siblings who are white with blue eyes and blonde hair, and they're my full brothers and sisters. So mm. you know I I was probably subject quite a bit, but I didn't realise it, um, and it was it was it was only until I started to realise actually I'm more than what I think I am. You know, as a person, I'm probably trying to still figure myself out, identity wise, and that's in 2017. That's what got me involved with Jamaica. Um, mm. I really wanted to understand who I am, where I'm from, not be naive and neglect one side of me when, you know, I know that my mum's from Newcastle. I know that I've got roots in Jarrah. My great grandad did the Jarrah marches, I know all that. But I wanted to know the other side of stuff of of my granddad who's actually still alive and and, you know, represent a little bit of his where he was born, my heritage and things like that. And kind of coincided at the exact same time um with my identity to then start calling out a little bit of what I'd say racism now, you know, you know, I'm not gonna say that I got it the worst and nowhere near am I getting racism the worst, you know, typically because I can defend myself and I will call it out. And I think with me, the biggest thing why I jump and try and speak on this kind of stuff is, it's not just racism for me, it's discrimination of all sorts. So you saw we took the knee mm. and some people take it just for racism and that's fine, look, that's that's them. I do it for discrimination in all form, you know. I, I just feel like I don't wanna say it just because, well, you mix mixed race, so you just don't want racism. Or someone calling you the, the M word or the P word. I mean, I was brought up and I was mainly called the P word instead of, you know, and I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand why and, and what is it, what does it mean? And then you start to grow up, you start to understand and you think it's just, eh, but now if someone called me it now, it would just be, Another word thrown around, it wouldn't mean anything to me. When was
1: the first time that you start, you kind of started to speak up about discrimination towards yourself or other people? What was the like the trigger to go, "That's not right"? I need to say something.
2: Um, you, you know what? It, it was <laughs> probably embarrassing myself here, but I was it. Um, I was at, like a bit of a sleepover in like, Lord of load of us lads. It was young. It was about ten. Um, and someone just called me a monkey, and I was and I was thinking, oh, I don't, don't like that. Like. You You've you we were going around chatting a load of rubbish and that so just took myself off walked off we we're camping in my mate's granddad's garden so that was a
0: friendly who called you that
2: yeah, yeah, yeah i don't think they fully understood it but at that point i was like i've already feel a bit of an outsider i'm in an area that i'm not sure about you know i've had to get a couple buses here i'm a bit like already and then i'm a monkey but no one else has been called anything took myself away just had a cry in the tent and at that point all of them came around and were like what's up and i was like I don't want to be isolated because you think I look like something else. I don't like it. I don't like it. And then at that point it was like, they straight away understood. They was like, Oh, we were joking. Look, he's a lion. He's a tiger. He's a panda. Mm. And I was like, yeah, but you, you didn't. But at the point I was just like, oh, I've cried in front of people. <laughs> Let me get on with this now. Um, and then at that point I was like, right. And then growing up with my brothers, that were rough. That was, yeah. Yeah. Cause they knew that wound me up. So they just do it out of spite. They wouldn't mean anything by These others, your, it. These
1: were your white brothers. Yeah, well, or, or I would, appear, appear yeah, there.
2: yeah, I got um, yeah. Jordan, who's well white. Um, Nathan mixed race, Mitchell mixed race, mm. uh, my sisters mixed race. So there's and Richie's is mixed race. Um, but Jordan he yeah it was just all the time constant but they won't be bothered by it you know yeah. they grew up even before me a little bit earlier so they
1: are probably sanitised oh yeah they were, sanitized. they were already
2: sanitised they are coming at me and I'm like I've not got the resolve that you've got right now yeah. <laughs> but that was alright I bet
1: it made you build a thicker skin but you shouldn't have to build a thicker skin to put up with stuff
2: like that should oh, you 100% but it did Yeah. and I don't think look as mad as it sounds the way I had to deal with it I don't think I would have got to where I've kind of got to without having that thick skin i think especially playing at leeds you know it's a, it's a club with high expectation you open
0: yourself up to a lot of, lot of Did stick. you experience stuff at leeds because i know in that piece that you said um that because I'm, I'm that's one thing it's happening in your everyday life as a 10 year old amongst friends and kids yeah. who don't really know any any different at that age not that that's an excuse no no but it, it makes a difference exactly but then when when you're when it's happening to you from adults like you're at the crowd you're in the crowd something I because you said that you had to you had to call the police you've got the rfl involved many times no one was really interested yeah like you were sort of complaining and shouting from the rooftops but no one was listening yeah and, and and the problem is it's
2: just evidence it's just that unless you're wearing a mic and i mean even the point if you're wearing a mic mm. and someone says it to you you need to prove it's them so so you, you would experience this from people in the crowd that you could see them doing it to you yeah, you just, not so much myself. You know, I've been coaching at Stanley five years and, mm. and we've had games. Like, I won't mention teams, it's all done in the past now. Mm. It's already documented who it was and stuff. But, you know, we'd be there playing and, and my team would be getting on the top of another team and Black, see you next Tuesday, would be shouted towards one of our players. Players' day, Rest's got headcam on, so you can hear it on the footage. Mm. You can, whatever, whatever, whatever. But unfortunately, no evidence. And I just think it's conclusive enough that. You've got five people, one from the opposition team saying, "Look, this happened, mm. but it's not conclusive enough to cause conviction." Growing up, I was obviously it happened to me. That's probably why I've come off Facebook. I, I got a lot of abuse on there, gluey skin. Took it to AFL, took it to the thing, and it, you know, but it, look, it, that stuff's ancient history. I just hope when I brought that to the to the table, hopefully stuff like that could have been kind of looked at and used as an example to help further it. And I know now we do have like a diversity board on these kind of matters. You know, there is a board of people that now, if there's anything like this from grassroots all the way through Super League, it Mm. is brought to the attention of people. And and it's looked at probably the right way. You know, it it is difficult when there's no evidence and it's your word against somebody else's, but equally without that kind of, well, you just can't throw accusations about them. It
1: must be hard at the time because you think, I'm going to say something, I'm calling, calling something out. I've got no evidence. I'm gonna probably bring a lot of heat on myself. Is it worth the effort? But then when you, when you look at it, without action that the likes of you took, there wouldn't be diversity officers. There wouldn't be those small changes yeah. in the game and the society that we see. So I, I can imagine it being tough at the time, but when you look back on the last few years and the ch- and it's, there's still so many changes and so much improvement to be made. But when you see that in a short space of time, there has been activity and there's been improvements made, hasn't there?
2: Yeah, 100%, there's been improvements. and. You know, you're right. I did open myself up to a load of stick, a lot of it. Every every other comment was pull, stop pulling the race card. Oh, really, and you
0: got some shit like that, did you? Yeah,
2: stop pulling the race card. Why you all got your race card out? It's not about race. It's about from, from how players good you are. as well. No, no players. Look, as, as, as a playing group, it's it's pretty good in rugby. Look, mm. there is there is scenarios where people have had that in the past. I can't comment. I've not had that. Mm. You know, I've, I guess my position has always been pretty clear. Uh, like, just treat treat me as a guy you know. Close your eyes, you still love me. So I just, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I try to give energy, I try to give love and hopefully it's reciprocated. I've well, had a,
1: an incident with a player. Well, it was, with, it was with Jordan actually. Yeah. So when we were at Saints, we were under team building, um, we went for a few drinks and some food. And one of the other lads, who an Aussie guy, was telling a story and he said, oh, anyway, this black C-U-N-T did this. And then I looked at Jordan and he, he wasn't happy. So I said, mate, you shouldn't say that. I went, what do you mean? I went, you shouldn't say those words, it's not right. He went, yeah, I I know, Jordan, it's fine. I just, he was was a good fellow. I went, no, but you shouldn't speak like that. It's not right. He went, do you want to go? I went, yeah, if you want. Anyway, nothing happened. But there was a (laughs) point where we nearly had a fight. But then I felt like me as a a white Caucasian guy, Mm. saying it instead of Jordan, who's one of my good mates, meant, probably meant a bit more because I'm saying it, because it's wrong. Whereas if Jordan would have said something, it would have been that he's got an agenda or yeah. it would have been a bit more bitter. And I think he appreciated it. But I know at the time it was quite heated and it can be, but unless you see, if you see something, you've got to say it, haven't you?
2: Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest messages that we're trying to get across with the whole campaign. It was, you know, spreading awareness through taking the knee um, while well, that's kind of, it did lose its meaning towards the end. It got, it got trivialised and, and whatever. Politicised, didn't it? That yeah. Was the and it was just like, look, this is just to get you thinking about it and you hear it, call it out. And and the reason why I would never really be too bothered about taking heat from it is like, look, we, we're trained to flipping in, protect ourselves in a game of rugby, so I'm sure I can protect mm. myself over you hurling abuse at me, that's fine. But there's someone somewhere, a kid in like a uh, Chapel town who is probably getting a load yeah. of abuse for the color of his skin and probably can't defend himself. Mm. And it needs someone like like you speaking up and, and you know, myself, Bruno, JT, all speaking of experiences, it's not stuff that it's not nice to speak about, but it's equally, it's not hard to speak about. It's just being given the opportunity to speak about it. Something
0: really poignant, I think that Michael Lawrence said was that he always felt during his career he had to work 10 times harder than all the white players just to get that recognition within rugby league. Is that something that you felt?
2: No, me personally, I've never felt like that. I'd never give you anything short of everything I've got. And if that's not good enough, I could literally just go sleep and be happy. I think that's always like the idea I've had, so. But that outside recognition, in
0: terms of like but maybe think, England call-ups or whatever, you know. No, like-
2: I, don't, I, I just think his Bruno's like upbringing and my upbringing are probably different. Mm. So again, if I'm a little bit desensitized to that, I wouldn't recognize it, but I wouldn't need to recognize it. I'd just give you everything I've got. And if it genuinely isn't good enough and select you got, you got I get overlooked, it's not good enough. I can just live with it. Mm. And I guess, yeah, I've, ne- I've never looked at anything like that. And I'd, I probably wouldn't myself. I think I'm in a position, um, playing rugby, you're you an you, you entertainer, aren't you? That's, that's your job, you're an entertainer. And you have the power to influence and, and kind of change opinions if you, you articulate properly. But I think with the way I look at it is, if I've got a message, I can say it on behalf of others rather than myself and and with stuff like that, I just don't think me looking at that and getting thinking about that and wondering ifs and whats and buts is worth my time. I could be using it elsewhere and look, I can't speak on behalf of Bruno, he's a good mate of mine and I know what's happened to him and and how he feels. We spoke privately and it's not my place to speak on his behalf, but yeah, look, if that's how he feels and that's, that's how it feels. I,
0: I think it was a really positive time in many ways, though, wasn't it? Particularly for, you know, you sat here with two guys who probably can't understand white privilege, even though, you know, we never had any struggle and we, we, we grew up w- without, you know, the background that you described about t- about 25 minutes ago. But, you know, on that piece, I remember that you did for Sky, I think it was Michael as well saying it that that he had people sort of say, oh, you're you're all right for a black guy, you know, and, and he wanted to use his pedestal as a Super League star to stand up for the people who will never stand in front of 25,000 people and yeah. score a try and so on, who is who, a plumber in Huddersfield, or they're fixing a, someone's electricity box or whatever, and then they're going down the pub and getting shit from people. Yeah. They're the people that, that he feels like he needs to, to represent, right?
2: Yeah, 100%, um, you know, when he's representing people like that, it, it it makes it worthwhile, I think. I don't know, I don't know how he will feel. Um, you know, when you're, when you finish up and, and you finish playing, and a lot of people, Jones has talked to me about this as well, and you might be able to, when you finish playing, I guess the trophies and the moments and the games, they're like a byproduct out there. It's like, the legacy that you leave, the relationships that you've built, the people that you meet, and what you've stood for while you've done it. And you always spoke about that. You know, he, <laughs> while he does take every opportunity to wear his Super League rings everywhere <laughs> he goes around Bramley, trust me, I see it not all Mr. the time. Serious, Mr T rolling round. Don't me. mention Super
0: League rings around Mark.
1: I, <laughs> I got, I've only had one and it got robbed from me. Else, been robbed. Yeah.
0: Oh man. We put, we put campaigns out over the years. No one's yeah, brought it back. No. Yeah. It back. Did you not get one back from club? No?
2: no. Don't they get under the fair few?
1: Yeah, but I didn't get one thanks science
0: yeah.
2: no comment where, <laughs> where is Mark's ring <laughs> <Yeah>. hashtag hashtag <laughs> no but that's it and I'd, look I'd, it, it's just mad it's a mad a mad mad situation I think we have moved on a lot since when we started the campaign I think look to get a load of hate it's a great thing I think on the back of the campaign we was always opening ourselves up to a load of kind of shit but one, mm. once, you, once you kind of weather that storm and people that are like, don't take the knee, blah, 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 go away because they find a new agenda. Yeah, You know, they want to go here on women's football then. And then they go there and the women's football back, back and they do their bit. And all these different things are starting to go, no, this is not acceptable. This is not acceptable. This is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's kind of being the minority turning into the majority of, look, this ain't acceptable. You just do what you want to do, but over there, don't bring that here and your ideas and your ideology over there. Because, mm. again, if we're living in a free world, they can think and feel how, anyone can think and feel how yeah. they want to feel. Act upon it is a bit different. And to actively go on is different. And once we got rid of all that and we kind of saw the message as it was, I think we had a massive response. I think it was massively, massively needed in rugby
0: league. I was going to say three years on, how do you think rugby league has addressed a lot of the concerns that you had at the time, and clearly still do in many departments?
2: Yeah, look, I, I, think, I think rugby league as, as such is it, it tries to be pioneering in things like this. It does, but it also waits for other sports to kind of lead the way. And, and, and that's frustrating because I know with a sport like Rugby League, we are so family orientated as a group. We can move faster than the bigger sports. We can do stuff faster. We just choose not to. And it's that choice of not doing it really frustrates. And wh- whichever it is, you know, with the direction that we're going to go with the IMG, with. <laughs> Whether we're going to be playing 30 minutes against Lee or the full game again, whichever way we do it, we could just do it faster because we've got mm. the manoeuvrability. And at that point, it just felt right, we've done it now, we need to build on it. And I do think we we are building on it. I think, mm. look, we're women, you know, black people being more represented within the game and, and you know, on the media and things like that. And the opportunities of, of kids coming through look, I think there's always opportunities for everybody, but actually having teams like jamaica going into communities probably where they're not fully getting as much exposure as other clubs because mm. of how many people play the sport not through the color of the skin but obviously it has to be a numbers game doesn't it at some point uh, jamaica going in there and engaging you know it's massive you know chapeltown cougars we went in there engaged and we had numerous kids there that probably never played the game before mm. joining up and starting to play rugby and, and that's the only way we're going to do it and, and build a sport as a whole but I think the biggest thing we have is that inclusivity
0: board. And I think having people on there who are still playing is massive as well. I think we want to live in a world, though, don't we, where, say, for example, I don't know, you're not going to name the teams quite rightly and all the information is out there. If people want to go and dig, do their own digging. But <clears throat> say a young Ashton Golding is running down the wing at Featherstone, right? And someone shouting something from the crowd. We want to live in a world now where the person sat next to that person, not, I'm not saying citizens arrest him, but deals with it himself. Right. And actually that that person is then outed and dealt with by the club. And I remember just going to football as a kid, something racist would would be shouted. And we're talking, you know, maybe late 90s, early noughties and, and 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 something would be, would be shouted from the back and, the, and it was met by a kind of just like a bit of sniggering in the crowd and whatever. Whereas now, I think even within football, that's moved on, that that would happen. You'd like to think that that's the world we're going to live in. Right. That that we can deal with this internally as a society. I truly believe you're right. I, I don't think.
2: I can remember a rugby game, other than a little bit of amateur player to player, but actually a crowd member shouting it on. I can't, I can't say I've ever been involved in one of them games, mm. um, and I can't say that I've ever heard of that, especially in our sport, but I do believe you're right. I think if that is said, I think people will now question it. I think people understand that's not right, and you know, all it takes is one person to say something it's your decision how you react to it. So mm. if you just like, say, oh, you kind of enable it a little bit and you allow him to then say that next comment and the next comment, if you squash it in the bud, you say, look mate, that's not on. Oh, <laughs> just something, it just helps. It helps everything that people have been fighting for and trying to build and whether that's racism or discrimination over um, gender or sexuality, things like that are massive. and. You don't want to, it's hard because you don't understand. Look, I can't choose whether I'm black or white. Look, I am black. I mean, well, I probably could if I wanted to, but I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I am who I am. I found out that you got to just embrace who you are. And, mm. and equally, if you see me, I'm a brown man, so you can have an opinion of me straight away. That's it's absolutely fine of people to do that. But if you see someone who's gay, well, you don't know they're gay. And if they feel you are discriminating against one, they don't feel comfortable now being themselves. Mm. They won't even tell you who they are. And that's sad. That's yeah. real sad. I think that's a world I don't want to be in, um, where someone doesn't even feel comfortable in their own self to say, look, yeah, I'm gay. Mm. And and that's kind of why we all do this, I think, where we, we have the underpinned, you know, I've made experience of racism, you know, but equally it's for the bigger picture of I want anybody and everybody to feel comfortable who they are. Like, mm. th- there's a point in which, look, I'm okay with you being you and I am me and you are you. I don't like you because of. You, not what or who you are. Just your person. <laughs> do you know yeah. when, when that works out yeah, yeah. you personally. Yeah. But when that when that when that's the world we live in and it's based upon the character of the person and not the way the person looks or the actions yeah. they do, well I think that's probably a Plus step forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah, massively. Yeah. But at the moment you got two steps forward one step back you, and, you,
0: and i think we have we have gone through things with a fine tooth comb whether it helps I, I don't know i can only speak from sort of the football world as well and the sort of media and the commentary side of things i remember i've been in numerous sort of like zoom calls with people like rio ferdinand and players played long before him in the 80s and 90s who who you know things that are used in commentary even things like nitty gritty and sold down the river and the, all these slave trade connotations and things you'd hear on a daily basis. Right. And even just that sort of education, which all happened post George Floyd, uh, lazy stereotypes, calling black players strong and powerful. and pe- Like, well, you call a spade a spade. If someone is strong yep. and powerful, then yep. <laughs> let's 100%. use some common sense. But it's about actually thinking about well, why uh, you know, but, and, and that's something that Michael picked up on that piece as well, was the the lazy stereotypes which we use. And that is what's caused all these problems in the crowds.
2: Yeah, and, uh, look, I think look, by him acknowledging that, you're speaking about it, I'm speaking about it,
0: and mm. we can then start to really- But is that the good thing to have the conversation? Yeah, not normalize it. Did you find it weird, you know, did, did some of your white friends find it weird to have those conversations with you? Was it like walking on eggshells? No, uh, the first time, obviously, when I was called a monkey, that was a close group of
2: friends. They just really didn't know. Mm. But at the time I was probably going through my own stuff as well and, and try to work out who I was, you know, why didn't I look like all my mates? And it was just a, a weird one. And look, as soon as I said, look, I'm not happy with that comment, it was like we we're all best mates you know what i mean jumped in jacuzzi and chilled out had a kind of pepsi <laughs> and that was it oh yeah i know his <laughs> granddad, good, was, good his granddad his was very jacuzzi. wealthy trust me he was a <laughs> very wealthy granddad um but yeah from there it was like they understood they backed me they, they understood there's certain things that are acceptable and not acceptable and the main thing is like my closest mates now they've, they've taken the time to learn and understand it's not just me having to hammer the drum they've literally understand kind of culture the the, the culture and the, the the wording and and things like you know things like black man time you know they, they say that and they're like yeah i do always turn up late i do That's, you were late today Astrid. yeah there's the traffic <laughs> <laughs> come a long way
0: a <laughs> bit we all to, just to sort of throw the rfl side of it because i don't want people from the rfl listening and thinking hold on why have you not mentioned this because and, and this is all things going in the right direction, right? They they did set up the Tackle It program and the sort of four strategic goals of that was to widen the reach and impact of Rugby League, diversify Rugby League's talent pool and workforce, improve culture of Rugby League and clarify processes, instilling confidence in and encouraging the reporting of discrimination, which is something we've just been talking about. Have have you noticed those four points going upwards?
2: personally, I'm probably more heavily rooted in the grassroots. So I I have a really good understanding. I've been coaching there five years now at Mm. open age level. So I have a really good understanding of kind of the process you have to go through. You know, we've had accusations made against our players of racism. And that's difficult, you know, if you're an advocate for this, you have to be an advocate for it the whole way. Mm. And as soon as these accusations, listen, go do your statement now, put it forward and tell the truth. And then to the people that was the victims of that, I go over in a console. If you truly believe this has been said, put your statement forward now, fully back it with everything mm. we've got. The club will give you a full investigation. I think it's important to know that if the club is, you know, you can have all these initiatives, but if the people don't want to buy into them, then it doesn't mm. matter. Whereas, you know, being quite, um, you know, cemented at Stanley now, knowing a lot of the people there and being there a while, I could speak for my club, you know, we, we do it. We, we, we love that. It's, it's what we needed. Um, but equally, if, you can have all the programs in the world. If people like aren't to buy into it, it's
0: difficult. But mm. well, what more can be done? I know that's such an open-ended, cliche yeah. question. But but from what you have been singing from the rooftops quite rightly about, what what more can change still today, three years on from that?
2: It's really difficult. It's a difficult question. More mm-hmm. um, so difficult because I'm not experiencing it at the moment. Yeah. And it sounds mad, isn't it? You don't want to have to experience it to know how to change it. But I just feel it's it's people i'm i'm at Stanley and i'm look i'm pushing it and i've got people around me if i'm not there and they hear something or they feel something's not right or the opportunity is not being given through certain things they call it mm. you know like you with JT, they'll just call it and that's
0: that's a club and but that that that's institutional racism right and it's actually bearing in mind it happened in the same city with with what's happened with the cricket yeah with yorkshire right and you know people dragged into it like michael vaughan and 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 how they've tried to to sort of rebrand that that club yeah that's institutional that's come right from the top
2: well i, I think it's more generational i don't think it's institutional i think generational. Yeah. I think you know you speak to my granddad i'm named after him gerald but he had his own ideas and certain things mm. you know he wasn't a perfect man within his ideas but that was the area that he was born in and i think one i have to understand that but if it's generational and
0: it's accepted then it becomes institutional
2: 100 percent, right? but it's not accepted and and this is where people probably that generation there and then their kids are struggling because Mm. you've got the new generation or whatever we are um look saying look banging a drum saying probably not right now you know you didn't know better now you know better Mm. now if you're not knowing better it's your decision and that's where racism comes and it's difficult um but i just think because rugby league's such a traditional sport we do have an an older audience and Mm. it it's more the case of these little like, comments and things that are made, it's difficult for them to really understand that it's wrong. But when you call it and you say it, and you've been told to say it again, then you kind of have to know that's wrong.
1: So there's a lot of ignorance with it, isn't there? I yeah, think as as societies changed and generations have come up, I think people become more well-travelled, um, more educated in, in, in the world we live in. They probably socialise with people from different backgrounds, different, different ethnicities. People speak about the feelings more. So you think with that happening more and more that that our children, though, though their children, after them will 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 kind of know better, yeah. and it'll be a, hopefully it'll be a distant memory. But I think there's a lot of old people stuck in their ways, and they, and they might not think they are, they're racist, but they might kind of have that you know um, subconscious racism in them yeah. and just dis- discriminate, and they might not know it, but unless they're called out on it, they don't know any better, do they? This fits
0: guess. nicely into your Jamaican journey, doesn't it? And yeah. this quote was, was really nice, I thought. Were you describing that journey? He said, it's changed me as a person. I found out that there's so much more to me than this kid who was born in Bramley in Leeds. There's another side to me and my family that I wasn't aware of. How how sort of big a part did making your, your granddad, God rest his soul, yeah. but making that sort of side to the family proud and representing Jamaica at a World Cup?
2: Yeah, honestly, it was um, such a whirlwind of a journey, I think. In 17 it did take a lot of soul-searching, you know, I just missed out on a grand final um, but we won, which was a really mixed emotion, you know, you want to be part of it, you want to be trenches with your mates, anytime you can be, but equally you wasn't, but it was the right decision. It took it took a lot of years and a mature head on my shoulders to understand that the right decision was made that year. And did you get a, a ring by the way that year? I, I got a ring. Can I have it? Sorry, mate. Sorry, <laughs> it's, it's already promised out to a, another player who's Scott got robbed actually, but he got he got one back from club. Someone, he? Some
1: yeah. of these was, robbers have got more was, rings oh, oh, than uh, the people who, who won. Who was them. that? Stevie Ward. Stevie Ward, but Leeds, but got a replacement for him. His house was robbed
2: Yeah, I, I, I oh, missed. What a lovely club that. <laughs> do you want to do another? Wish camp- I'd played. I, there. I spoke to him. I felt obliged as 18th man that I'd have to hand mine over. But he told me he got another one. No, I, I was ready to. I was ready. The, the thought <laughs> oh, was there. <laughs> Is Mike Rush
1: watching? Do you think?
0: We'll do another campaign down the camera. Like <laughs> come another down? one.
1: Mike, Eamon, Paul Wellens. Show me the ring. Show me one, show <laughs> me one of them babies. <laughs> Go on, Ash,
0: we interrupt.
2: Um, no, 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 no. I like them interruptions. It was just <laughs> the mo- the moment of kind of getting the opportunity, I was already booked on a holiday, I was ready to go, Mm. you know, I needed a break, (laughs) my head was frazzled and the opportunity was, look, you want to play for Jamaica against France? In France, they've got a World Cup and we've been asked to play them. First answer was, you know, I've got holiday booked, I can't. And I think they've heard that quite a lot, you know, a lot of players saying I've got holiday, Super League players and stuff like that and they were just like, no worries, like pretty blunt and I was like, "Just, just give me five minutes. And as soon as I did, you know, I made some texts, rang, rang, rang a few family members. I was like, I got this opportunity.
0: Was the future with England in your head at all or not?
2: No, never, never. No. Like, look, if if that was an eventuality, if that's if that was something that was going to happen, that would have just happened. But for me, it was about more than that. I was I was wondering who I was. I was like, look, I actually don't look like any of these. I I, I know that I've got Jamaican heritage, but what does that mean? Mm. Like, what does it mean? I I, I conformed more with. My mum who was white, then my dad was black, and it was it was like right, well I do need to understand this. So I was like, I cancel my holiday, but start to pay for it, and then I'll fly out after the game to where everyone is and meet them all on holiday. Mm. So it cost me absolute bomb, and I was like, but it be worth it, surely. Went over and I've never looked back. Mm. I just found out so much about myself on one trip, and after that one trip, it was it was like an addiction.
1: What did the trip consist of a, a, away from rugby?
2: um true was
1: it was it look, seeing old relatives that you didn't know like cousins and uncles and grand like
2: no it was we, it cause it was in france so it was it was like we just it was more just being around like lads who was like me right okay massively weird but it was like you grew up in england yeah but you're jamaican yeah <laughs> and you celebrate that yeah how? I was asking questions. I was like, how, why, what, where, and through that, them questions, I started to grow. I was like, wow, okay, okay. And it was just knowledge, 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 knowledge. I'd go home, I'd spend a year playing. I'd be like, we've got another game this year. I'd be texting coach then. We've got a game. Do you want me? Am I playing all right? What can I do for you? And then... Yeah, it just absolutely spiraled into it, a World it, it was an
0: amazing story, not to belittle it and to go down another stereotype, but it, it is, has got a bit of the cool runnings about it, hasn't yeah, it, in 100%. terms of you know, dragging a team there and getting the nation behind them. Um, I mean, I don't know how many trips you've had out to Jamaica, but they, they haven't even got a dedicated rugby league pitch on the island.
2: Have no, they? <laughs> not, not one. There's a lot of there's a lot of problems and struggles over there. You know, we've got some absolute advocates for the league, but equally, no funding no financials behind them mm. and there's a full domestic league being played all around the island yet there's Is no it? money oh yeah yeah there's there's
0: just um, on what like basketball courts and stuff? Yeah, no <laughs>
2: there's, there's there's just fields just but they field. marked out um you know there's eight teams playing all around the island in different really? parishes yeah and there's um you know they've got like a state of origin so they've got like a um, yeah. you know parish
0: v parish and uh, so how much would, would that have done for for, for rugby league in that country in terms of, you know, playing at a World Cup and taking it forward now? Because that's what it's all about, right? You obviously, Jason Robinson got involved. Yep. It's about, we've had Robbo on the podcast talking about it. Passionately, it's about leaving a legacy. We just, yeah, we just want to create a, a massive legacy
2: where kids in Jamaica who were born in England with heritage and have a route. If you're not good at track and field, there's a, rugby, there's a rugby option. You know, I was probably more suited to track and field when I was growing up, but then, it dictated that rugby was my route, and if I could give that to somebody else, you will. And you know, there is loads of plans in the pipelines of what we can do in Jamaica to build it. Mm. But it all comes out of money, and we just need that that one person to truly believe in what we're doing and and to buy into it. But not for a year, not for two. You know, we've got some great sponsors at the moment with um, Levi Roots, who continues to support us and understand what we're trying to do. It's just hard to do it and get the foundation set on an island that's probably not looking for something else. Mm. You know, rugby league in Jamaica's not recognized. it's 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 frowned upon as such, but we're still doing it. we're still trying. We're still plugging, in, we're still trying. We've well, we got enough problems trying to grow
0: outside the M62 here. In the <laughs> serious on live television. You so can imagine Paul what we're trying to do, too. yeah. But I guess it's about trying to make those kids. I just love the imagery of like making a, a a kid who's come from very humble beginnings in in Jamaica, then just finding out about the story of the reggae warriors, and then you know, going on YouTube and seeing, oh right, these guys actually played at a World Cup in front of you know. Huge we, we, crowd. We've
2: got the stories, you know. We've got we've got we've actually got a player who's playing professional League One now who's come over from Jamaica. Mm um who, who made the journey just thought i want to travel and find, find my dream he played for jamaica national team um you know quite impressed on his on his on his game and he's come over now and playing for london scholars so there's an opportunity for him and and there's a pathway there for any player that wants to come over and, and, and try and make a name for themselves yeah were you 27 yesterday
0: I was, yeah. I They're not updated in Wikipedia. It's still twenty-six on. I'm it?
2: probably still about seventy-two kilos. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, below five, six five foot, five foot. I 10? am over six foot. It now. says five I ten.
1: W- <laughs> I was five two and fifteen stone for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I changed yours though, Mark. I changed
0: yours many times. Let's just look at Mark's quickly here. Yeah. Um, this is because I changed with his. that
1: one decade, he's got too much time on his arms. Yeah,
0: I changed it a long time ago. Mark is five for eight. Five for, I've grown. Uh, and he's fifteen stone four. <laughs> <Ooh>. Outstanding. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I'm still growing it. Ninety-seven
0: kilos and one point seven three meters. Is that Respect. right. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> I like on Wikipedia and changing people's a, stuff. Though yeah, that's officially a chode. Yeah. In the, uh, <laughs> well, John Wilkie used to
1: change his date of birth every year, so when, when he was renewing a new contract, contract. <laughs> new contract. Look, I'm only, I'm still only 29. Oh, Check yeah. on Wikipedia.
0: My guy. <laughs> um, no, so what I was trying to say was 27 years old. Obviously, we started this talking about your coffee business. You've got fingers in all sorts of pies and. You know, you're, you're, type, you're the type of personality to just not stop and not sit down and keep going. And, you know, you, you're doing the coaching, you're still playing. But at 27, you've got a lot of miles on the clock, right, uh, in Super League. How how excited are you still about the, the time that you've got once this hamstring repairs? Oh, the hamstring will be fine in two or three weeks. But unfortunately,
2: that's the end of the year unless we can get in the playoffs. Mm. Um, you know that that game against Lee were massive for us, but you know, looking looking forward, I feel, I feel I feel good. I I feel fresh. My body feels good. You know, if I can get over this hamstring, I'm 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 on like a bit of a new treatment with it, so that that's promising and and things like that. But, but is
0: the dream to get to a grand final and not watch it from the the stands to be oh, involved in a grand? final? You know, when
2: when I played in the Challenge Cup final with Rotherfield last year, it, it it resonated with me massively. You know, a lot of people in my career have said a lot of stuff to me, but mm. you know, while it while this person selectively doing his thing, coaching and playing and whatever. I won't mention his name and that. But, you know, he sat me down in a room once and he said, look, it's not about what you do to get in the team. It's about what you do. So you can't be taken out of it. Mm. Don't ever let this be you again. And there's many people said a lot of stuff to me and give me advice and they'll know who they are if they listen or watch this or whatever. And it just never, ever went away from it, ever. And for this day, that's something that I won't take away. And I will still hold that the next one I get to because I want to win. You know, I truly believe Huddersfield is a club where I'm going to win some silverware and win a fair bit of silverware. And
0: Is that fire burning more than it ever has been, even as a Leeds player now, to actually get a trophy?
2: You know, as a Leeds player, the pressure's there, but it's equally... I've always wanted to win everything I've done. If we're eating food, I want to eat faster than you. It's, you know, <laughs> it's in my nature, but I feel like it's because I had a lot of siblings. So I had to eat faster. So you're not gonna <laughs> <laughs> it you it going to eat. Called it prison rules. <laughs> um, but our oh, fires, fires, oh, my gosh, it's burning. You know, I... Why do we do it all if not to win something, mm. to, not, to not have something to to gratify? And, you know, I love the journey. The journey to get there is more important than getting there. But you have to get there. <laughs> the journey is pointless. You go again and again and again. And, you know, I I, tr- I just think we're building something special at this field. I, I do. I,
1: what's happened this year, though? Because I, I think after the Challenge Cup final last year and a strong run, everyone was tipping them to go to the next level, but it's not happened. What's what, What's been the case, do you think?
2: I don't know. And it, it, look, it sounds like a cop out answer, doesn't it? I don't know. And I'd, I wish I could tell you. Um, but I really don't know. It felt good. It felt pre-season. You know, we went away and we had a pre-season trip and that was unbelievable training. You know, we, we came together as a group. Um, we had our downtime together, we going to the beach. Um, but when we were on that training field, it was like nothing in the world mattered. It was crazy. We were knocking ten bells of crap out of each other and it was just normal. And when you can normalize that with your mates and the boys that you go through hell with you can do it to any team and it just didn't start to transpire it did at the start of the year I won't lie and we just dropped off a little bit during mid-season and then obviously we we, we, we nip our took now um but i don't know is the answer and i i just think well from my own perspective i truly believe where we're going and it might sound crazy with the results and and you know that's that's all that anyone ever sees mm. i'm privy i'm you know lucky and privy enough to see the other side of it where i'm in every meeting i'm seeing the face the emotion the raw desire to win and look the way that certain people speak in that group you know you like to chris hill um the way that he speaks about winning if you can't buy into that i don't know what you're going to buy into when he says we're doing it you don't question you just do it so when you got a leader like that in your group and luke yates and you know chris mcqueen just saying stuff you do it but just not transpired into results, which is crazy. And look, the teams that we've lost to, they've been outstanding, miles better than us, but we know in ourselves what we can do. We've underperformed massively and it's about time that the birthplace of rugby league actually did something where it was recognised for doing it. And we know as a group we have to do that, but it's just, it is frustrating for the playing group as well when you don't quite achieve what you know you can. And and that's the saddest part of this year. We, we know that there's been games where we should do miles better than what we've done. Um, and ultimately, we're probably about, I'd say four points adrift from that kind of playoff um, push. So, yeah, difficult this year, mate,
0: but is, is no the exciting, consistent answer, no conclusive answer. Is the exciting part that you, you almost don't know when that success might come. I mean, you look at Mark in his twilight years and with Salford and then got to a grand final against St. Helens, you know, got to the, to the Challenge Cup final as well at Wembley. Yeah. Um, And then you look at what Lee have done recently and what I'm saying is you don't have to be one of those elite teams to win silverware now, do you? And at 27, there's still plenty of time for that to happen with with Huddersfield or wherever you might end up in three, four, five years. Yeah,
2: no, look, I agree. Hopefully, you know, at 27, I could could stay at Huddersfield another 10 years. I, I truly... I try not i try to bullshit myself you know i, I don't know if i can say that sorry sorry i try not bullshit myself i try to say look right as an individual where do i want to be what do i do and that's mm. something i want to do i want to win and i have to put myself in the best position to win and the youngsters coming through Udersfield are outstanding and the the the, the pure mm. coming through with through a system now with with what all here for a few years understand what we need of them coming through into that first team and we, we, we've got players of, you know, 22, 23, 24, hungry. They've, they've, they've tasted that Challenge Cup now. They've, they've, they've almost had it, but just got took it away just last minute, you know. And I just feel the way we train, the infrastructure we've got around us, you know, the, the new training base that's being built up on the top of M62.
1: Uh, you got new training base?
2: Yeah, we're getting it developed up on there. All in and one. Up one on Henley Top, so we're all in one place. and Perfect. What's happening in and around the club from when I signed there three, four years ago, four years ago now, five, yeah, four years ago, to what's happening now it's worlds apart. So, you know, we use the term elite, like elite clubs, and we define elite by winning, don't we? And they've won, so they can have that definition, but I don't just want to win it once. I'd like to think next year and the year after the
0: year, I can win it every year, and it's a crazy thought. You say you just want to win it once, is that a case of, to to have ticked it off, to to have had that recognition, and when people look back on your, you know, CV in twenty thirty years time from now, that you actually did have something to represent all the work that you put in. Yeah, look,
2: I think I think I heard Ryan talking about it, and you know, he mentioned that his his career is based on the success of a, a trophy and things yeah. like that. And look, I can completely understand that. He, he sounds when I watch that, he sounds like a winner. He sounds like an absolute. Everything he does is to win, and I love that. I can completely understand that, but. I just want to win it once. I don't want my career to be based on, look, you won it in 15, well done, or you mm. won it in 24, well done. I want to consistently win and dominate. And I think we all do it at this field and we all literally have that same ideology. It's just difficult to come on here and say that when we've had the season we've had. But but I know, I know what I want to achieve and I know the work that has to go into that. And, and equally, the boys know that as well. And it's on them to put themselves in the best position and, and us as well. But when you... <laughs> I think the best thing I can say is when you're at a club and you can see the club around you working mm. and you're not doing anything but you can see everybody else around you working, the the tickets, the, the we're pushing the sales for the, the fans coming in or supporters, I hate the term fans, supporters coming in and we've got state of the art facilities in the stadium and we've you know, the training base has been built and you've got a backer who absolutely adores and loves the club and can have an open on. look when you see all that, it's all the ingredients, it's a, tick, you need. it's a tick, it's a tick. It's just the on field then. And when all that's in place, it all comes down to on field. Yeah. And I think I want to be in, I want to be at Uddersfield when it's down and it's like that. It's just pure us down in trenches. The expectation is all on us now. You know, this year it was a little bit like, well, we're still part of this, but we've done this last year. We want to do this. No, you have to do this mm. or you're gone. Mm. That kind of pressure either uh, makes makes diamonds, doesn't it? Mm. And that's kind of what I like. I like that cutthroat kind of business. and yeah so look i think uddersfield's a great club i think what we're doing is we're building the right way and, and we've got good people there
0: as well mm-hmm. helps so let's just fast forward and to finish then 30 years from now you've just turned 57 you're probably still 5 foot 10 on wikipedia if wikipedia certain yes, i'm about six foot four you know <laughs> i keep growing with all these things that you've got going on in, in in your life how will you want to look back in 30 years from now and think right i'm I'm content i've, I've ticked things off because i know earlier you sort of talked about how it's not just the, the winning, it's the sort of how you did it and the personality and how you imprinted that on everyone around you. What would make you happy looking back in 30 years? What do you need to, to do?
2: Oh, ooh, good question. Good question. Look, of course, I want to win. And if it gets to that point, I'm, I'm getting 36, 37. I'd like to think I could do another 10 years, but I think we all do, don't we? We all do and it just catches up. Um, but look, right, I've, I'm getting back into my career and I've not won anything. Like, I don't care how I do it. I just want to win something. then. But while I've got a little bit of time right now, I'd like to think I'd, I'd, I'd appreciate the journey and context contextualise it. Um, I think my playing career, I would just, I think when I was at Leeds, the 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 phrase that I said to myself was because I was I was on I was coming behind Zach Adderick, a man of steel. In one of, do you know what I mean? He was the world's greatest, and and that was hard to then back up and be the next guy. Do you know what I mean? The guy after Sir Alex Ferguson. Well, you be that guy. Enjoy it. Um, but i always give the best version of myself and i think if, if if i know that if i can truly hand on heart say look everything i did i did 100% i didn't cut corners i didn't i didn't try to find the easy route i just did it as it was plain blank black and white i did it that way i could i probably could sleep, sleep easier at night um there's things i want to achieve in that time in 30 years on and off the field you know i coach standingly so i've i've been doing that a while i quite enjoy coaching um but I don't know. I don't know. I think I just, I'd like to know that i give it everything because you only get one shot at it. I mean, the sport of rugby league is brutal, but it's, it's the most rewarding sport you'll ever play in your life. If you, if you really give it a good try and build the relationships you build and see the think Look, I've been all over the world through rugby. I should not have seen anything near what I've seen. And for me to have that experience,
0: it's, it's well, everything. So, yeah. And, and maybe Mark, who knows? Even even a collab with PKB and. Oh, do, you, can, do you call yours PKC? It's you your PKC. Go, <laughs> PKC, PKB. There we go. Palm Coffee Company, pot Kettle Black. Oh yeah, there we go. got pro- some sort of link up. PKK and PK. Wonder see the P- flat white price come down now off the back of. No,
2: no, 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 no. You uh, see, uh, this you is how it know. happens in coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I see the market's yeah. now up here. Yeah. I just need to persuade my business partner, but yeah. he don't want to get persuaded. He yeah. l- he works in there, so he don't want to uh, tell customers. Oliver Wilson.
0: Yeah, he's a baby, right? He's like twenty-three. Yeah, that's that's, that's uh, he's, he's got he's well ahead of you and John, wasn't he? a Bradford lad.
2: He is, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was, yeah. Oh no, you um I think you might think he's a rugby player. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking
0: of Oliver Wilson
2: rugby. Nah, he ain't got two brain cells. If oh, you're watching, all, you got two, that, if you're yeah. listening, you ain't got two brain cells over no business. Why I assumed oh, you try to run the VAT. I don't think you're going to run no VAT. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed because <laughs> no, he was no, at no, with you. Um, so I owned a, a previous coffee shop before. Um, in COVID, I built one. Um, I opened, it was a laundrette. Ah. I put put a coffee machine in there, redid it, Free put wall through, um, did really well. Uh, better than anyone could have anticipated. So I thought... Cash in, <laughs> yeah. cashed in, uh, made a fair bit of money, and then one of my staff members there was called Oliver Wilson, ah, lovely okay. bloke. Worked in yeah. a few coffee shops. Without him, would not have been possible. Yeah, um, so yeah. I absolutely poached him from Lidl. Yeah. from Lidl, <laughs> from Lidl, he? and he was on good money. So I don't know why he yeah, came. You get to me. well paid at Lidl an hour, an hour, an hour, don't I was Like twelve pound, fifteen pound an hour. I was mad cash money. <laughs> Serious.
0: <laughs> well, actually, look, really appreciate you coming down the M62. Busy M62, which is why you were late. We'll let you off. You weren't that, you were four minutes late. Top man, thank you so much. Look, I hope the injury sorts itself out and um, be interesting to see what. Where the golding journey goes, hey, over the next five years.
2: i will see if any of the, the stuff I've just spoke about could transpire, you know, put it into the universe. Manifestation. So something will come back no. your way.
0: <laughs> Top man. And look, Mark, you're back, but who knows? We, we might go from 4.9 to 5, or we might go back to 4.8. Yeah. And when Carl comes back, we'll get to a 5. Because that's always who that's been our dream, isn't it? To get yeah. to a 5.
1: Who knows, I'm back. You might not be back next week. <laughs> I might not be back? back. We'll see. Yeah,
0: we will see. Yeah. I'm definitely not back next week because we're not no. back for two weeks, but yeah. no, It's good this, isn't it's it? It's good this, isn't it? Yeah. All the best. All the best. Goodbye. <laughs>